Welcome to the Crowdfunding Christian Music Podcast. I'm Garrett Godfrey. This is the very first ever guest interviews episode. And we've got an exciting interview coming up with Nick Flora, where you'll be able to hear about his current campaign for three EPs, how he got into music in the first place, what's up with his podcast, who writes this stuff, what he really thinks about the name Keith, and much, much more. Stick around. So we're on with Nick Flora. And uh, tell us about this uh, this campaign you've got going on. What's hey, going on? Can be, wait, can people see me as well as hear me? Yes. So this is video. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Well, thanks for asking about this campaign. Um, uh, yeah, there's, you know what? It's crazy. I'm, I don't know exactly what you want to know about it. I mean, basically, I'm trying to do, trying to cram as much into one campaign as like, so I don't have to come back to the well, as it were, you know, every, you know, 18 months or whatever and be like, hey, remember me? I'm going to ask for more money. Um, so I thought, you know, it, it would be a good idea. And I have so many varied interests as far as like the kind of stuff I write that I was like, I'll just do, you know, I have, I've had friends who have done a few different EPs uh, and, you know, thematically and sonically at all, you know, or stylistically even sounds completely different from the last one. And <clears throat> I was like, I want to do that. I have these three ideas bouncing around my brain. And instead of, you know, spanning them out over the course of six years or whatever, I could it probably be less pressure to just do, you know, instead of 10 songs, compact them, do like an EP each and then release them over the course of a year, which is daunting. But at the same time, I think it's something that I could I have most of it written. So I was like, it would just be the recording process, you know, and two of them, two of the ideas, one of the ideas of full fledged, basically pop rock you know, full band uh, involved thing, which is what I'm recording right now. And then the other two are basically acoustic piano based. So that's a lot easier <laughs> to record and uh, then to get a whole mess of, of, you know, people involved. And, and you know, I, I really like, I like all kinds of music. So it was really hard for me to sort of figure out what to do first. But I thought, you know, you do the hardest thing first and then, and then maybe it doesn't seem as daunting to approach these other things. So I'm doing these three EPs um, and trying to get this campaign to fund all three of them. And the budget is essentially less than most people would do for a record these days. Um, So I, you know, I'm hoping that that's, people will be like, Oh, I get more for less, you know, but that just depends on who's going to pledge. I don't think that really, I I wonder. I've been spending the last two weeks trying to get in the head of of, <laughs> of Kickstarter backers, and I haven't cracked it yet. But well, now you, know. you you had a campaign ages ago that didn't quite mm-hmm. make it, but then your next one for um, yeah. for your project that that was fully funded and and went forward a couple of years ago and more so, yeah, yeah. So it was really that that first one was right when I had never heard of Kickstarter before. It was two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, it was 2010. So it was around the point when artists were just hearing about it. Fans really, unless you were an early adopter to things, you really didn't know what it was. And so I just set it up and then kind of tweeted about it and then left it alone. I didn't really know that you're supposed to, What I didn't understand it at all. <clears throat> so it's partially my fault and partially the technology's fault that it didn't didn't go through. Um and I was just like, well, this feels terrible. I don't like it when these campaigns don't work. But there is sort of a, it was, I mean, I learned so much. And then, and then over the course of like the next two years, 
it just everybody seemed to be doing it. There were higher profile people jumping on the crowdsourcing bandwagon, and it be, everybody knew what it was. Even to the point now where even if you have an Indiegogo or use Pledge Music, people still call it a Kickstarter. Yep. You, you know, it's like Kleenex. Like, exactly. you know, it's Kleenex or Coke. It's the brand, but people call it that. So it's become a part of the zeitgeist now. Um, so I that one didn't go through, but thankfully, um, I did. I was able to get the money to record it, um, and I was I was a relatively unknown person at that point as far as music goes. I had one album out, but it wasn't really doing much. And thankfully, my producer just threw his hat in the ring and and charged, you know, challenged everybody to to support me. And there was a huge growth in between Hello Stranger, which is my second album the one that didn't get funded, and then the reintroduction of Nick Floro, the, the third album, which did get funded, I toured a lot, and I just really kind of, I, I've, you know, busted my behind to get the word out there, and, and it just seemed to 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 work, and people were more on board and than ever to sort of, to help me, because I think a lot of people sort of, when you get into a new artist, which I was relatively at the time, I think people were really interested to see what I was going to do next. And um, so that was definitely helpful. And at this point, I'm still always asking myself, like, what can I do next that's not, that people don't know about me? Like, what, if you know me really well, you pr- nobody that knows me well will be be surprised by the, the EPs that are coming. But, like, there are people who just know me as fans, I think, might be surprised that I have a couple more tools, you know, notches in my belt as far as, like, where I can put certain creative tools and pull them out and so we'll see. But that, that was the, that was such a, like the, the last campaign was such a huge, you know, success. We were 112% funded or something like that it was such a, I mean, it was, that's the greatest boost you can get being an independent artist is to like, you know, so many times indie artists or any artist can say like, I don't even know if anybody's paying attention to what I'm doing out there and you get ho hum drum and all this stuff. But I literally had names and dollar amounts of how much people cared about my music, you know, and that was really helpful in writing the project and putting it out there. And that's why I'm a huge fan of crowdsourcing in general, because it really can. You can literally right now I'm look, I can look at 92 people who say, yes, we want to hear more music from you. And I can't say nobody cares anymore. Exactly. Now, so when you were doing that first one. Were you in the middle of producing it while you were doing the campaign? Because like right now, you're in the studio while you're yeah. also running the campaign. I mean, what's mm-hmm. what's that like? Uh, terrifying and maybe a bad choice, but I, I decided to <laughs> – now I'm kind of regretting it um, because I don't know what's going to happen with this campaign that we're in the middle of now. But I'm hoping that, you know, that we still have a week to go. A lot of craziness happened. Like last time, I didn't know if it was going to make it and then it did, you know, whatever. So – I have a few tricks on my sleeve. Hopefully, they will they will kind of help this one go over the then. But it definitely the the I've never I think that when I did the Hell of Stranger, the the one that didn't go in 2010, I had started writing the songs, but I was so scared to book studio time because if it didn't go, I didn't want to be in debt to anybody. And uh, Andy Osanga, who's my producer, was like we'll pencil it in and we'll slowly like tiptoe towards it and hope it works. And then it didn't. And like I said, thankfully, you know, some opportunities arose to go ahead and do it anyway. And I'm so glad we did because it was a gamble that worked out. And with this, and with the last one that did get funded, it got funded. And then I said, okay, time to write. So I didn't have a song written. I had had, like 20 ideas 
And then it was very, in a way, stressful because I, I had people who I knew their names who were relying on me. <laughs> so well, I, I, I had to, you know, get to work and make it good. The project sounds great. I mean, I, I picked it up. Oh, you thanks. put it on Noise Trade. Thank That's you right, very yeah. much for that. And, yeah, uh, and I've also been listening to some of your stuff on uh, Bandcamp. That's um, right. But now, if you were to pick just a handful of songs to say somebody that's never heard of me, if if they want to know what I'm like, I mean, you've got a lot of music on Bandcamp. What do you what do you think would best represent maybe what the future projects will oh. be, or or best represent like what you've done so far? I would say that this. I mean, there, on on Noise Trade, there is a sampler. I put up sort of a, a get like a starter kit if you've never heard yeah. of me. Which has a, a couple songs from each of my albums that sort of do that really well. But uh, this this one that's coming up that I'm on the tail end of finishing right now. Time travel. <laughs> uh, exactly, Future Boy, uh, which is essentially a time travel EP and, and a it, it might be a little bit misleading title, but still that's what we're dealing with here. But there's a I, I would say it's a little bit more on um, I have a song called Hard Man to Love uh, that's a little bit more fun tongue-in-cheek rockin' on my reintroduction album, and then I have a song called Invasion on my Hello Stranger album that I'm... So I I write all these different types of songs, and so it's fun to go back through and sort of be like, that would be a fun universe to sort of extract and see where I can create in that a little bit more. And so those definitely... it's, It's way more upbeat. It's way more roll your windows down in the summer and, 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 and blast it going to the beach or whatever kind of feel. Not really, it, the whole time we were making this EP or making it now, we were kept, we're like, this feels like we should be making this in California. It has that sort of like, you know, but then the content lyrically is a lot of sort of heavier things that I've been thinking about and trying to juxtapose those two. So with that one, and then, and then the other EPs are just, the third one that I want, the, third, the second one's a Christmas EP, and it's a little bit more of a collaboration with me and my friend Stacy Lance, who's an artist here in town. And uh, we write a lot together and perform a lot together. And uh, she's amazing and has sung on everything that I've ever recorded uh, since I met her anyway. And the, and the third one is, is more stripped down, piano, acoustic. And that would be like my I have a song called Lost at Sea. I have a song. Uh, that one's really yeah. melancholy. I, I yeah. really love that song. It's just oh, like thanks. I was listening to the reintroduction and I got to that one. It was like. Okay, I'm just going to yeah. stop what I was doing because I was kind of, you know, in, in the background. And that one really made me mm-hmm. stop and just like, wow, I'm going to soak this in. It was. Oh, that's so something. good to hear. Because that's, I mean, that Andy and I, as we were putting these songs together, I, I talked, we talked a lot about music and mainly about, you know, about the power of songs. And I mentioned a couple different songs that are like that. When you, even when you first hear them, you sort of stop and you sit down and you really listen. And I'm like, I want to write a song that does that and, and I want to put it right in the middle of the record I want to put it to where if you put it on and you're cleaning the house or you're doing something in the background you stay in the car an extra five minutes when you're at your destination to listen yep. to it you know and so I, that, that makes me really happy but that like that song or like um, I have a song called Young Man's Game and on um, this last one that I feel like sonically it would kind of sound more like that so I, I, I mean I, I've I write all sorts of different types, and I like doing that. I, I get bored very easily, and I want to jump to the next thing and challenge myself. So, really, it, I want to fill the spectrum with these three releases, um, if people will <laughs> pledge and allow me to do so. So, how did you how did you get started with music? I mean, I know you talked on your podcast, "Who Writes This Stuff," about mm-hmm. 
um, having gone to you know been homeschooled the last couple of years of high school yeah. and but I'm and I I know you were really into music like you know going to Cornerstone and Five Iron Frenzy and but mm-hmm. like for you as a performer songwriter where where did that start? It sort of came up behind me. Basically, my entire career is is entering through like hidden side doors in a house. Like I never really have gone walked through the front entrance metaphorically. But there's a lot of um, I basically, I wanted to perform in my ninth grade talent show, and I wasn't an outgoing kid at all. Um, I was very uh, shy, and I was maybe outgoing with my family and friends, but I sort of, you know, came into my own in high school, and I wanted to perform in the talent show um, at the end of ninth grade, and the only, and I wanted to be a comedian really bad. I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. I wanted to be Steve Martin. They're these guys that were like my heroes. So I basically found a guitar in my parents' attic that had three or four strings on it and basically figured out a couple songs. There were two chords that I could perform, like funny songs, you know, that I could perform. And I did it, and my dad eventually was like, okay, I'll put more – I'll restring this guitar if you really want to learn to play it. And uh, they thought I was going to be, you know, over the guitar phase at the end of the summer – and by the end of the summer, I had formed a band with other people who were awesome. in, in my youth group. And, and we play. And then my youth minister gave me the greatest gig of all time by saying, hey, if you want to play an original song. Or no, he asked if I would lead worship every Wednesday for the youth. So, and I said, I'll do it if I can play an original song that, you know, the, at the end of that worship set. So I get sure. to perform a song that I wrote. And so I would write a new song every week. Just oh, wow. And so I probably in that first year, I mean, I I'm probably wrote 40 to 50 songs that I just, I didn't even play. Like sometimes I would write them, play them and then toss them aside. It was just, I mean, it was an exercise. And, and then eventually it got to the point where I, I started this band and we played a couple of the songs and then the other guys wrote songs. And then it just got to a point where I graduated high school. I homeschooled, like you said, the last couple of years. And my parents kind of gave me the opportunity to keep, to take a year off. And they were like, if you want to go to school, they're both college professors. And they're like, if you want to go to college, you can right now. Or if you want, you can kind of like, you know, see where music's going to take you. And my dad's a musician, which is why he sort of had the foresight to think like maybe this is something. If anything, they thought he'll get it out of his system. Sure. And here I am 15 years later or whatever. And it's it's kind of amazing. So I just kept going from there. I just found more people who did it you know, more seriously than I did. And I just asked a million questions and just wrote songs and wrote songs and wrote songs and learned other people's songs. And then, you know, eventually made it to Nashville. <laughs> and and I, it's so weird to think now to look back and be like, oh, I'm just, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm 33 and I'm just going to keep doing this because I love it. It's never even been to, to a point where I thought about doing something else because this is just. So is this, is this your do. day job? Yeah, it is. I have a bunch of random little jobs that I do on the side, but essentially they're all creative based though. So, cause I'll play at weddings or I'll DJ weddings. Um, so yeah, I quit my last quote unquote day job. I I say I'm five day or five years sober from day jobs. (laughs) And I, I did five years ago, I quit, uh, my last day job to do this, um, and I kind of told myself any creative job that comes along, even if it's not what I singer, you know, songwriter stuff, I'll take it if it pays, you know, just because th- that's better than not working my creative muscle for me anyway. I know a lot of people do really well in in different office settings and stuff. I've never been that <laughs> that well, guy. It seems so. like in in Nashville, if you're a musician, you've got the obligatory Starbucks stint that you do. Like 
Yeah. You know, it's the There's waitresses, waitresses or actresses, and the barista has a band. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, you know. it's uh, yeah. That's the the truth. And uh, there's a lot of there's the trope of like the guy serving you your latte is a better bass player than you. You know that whole like you have no yeah. idea who you're talking to. That's true. And and th- thankfully moving here, there are so many s- differing types of jobs in the creative field that you can do. You know, it's like finding out about Oz and you're like, oh, I want to go there because I heard that you can do this one thing. And then you walk into the gates of Oz and you find out there's a million jobs for you. So and and Nashville's really good at like helping out its own and being like, you know, this guy needs uh, needs a gig. So we'll put him on the road with this guy or like everybody helps each other out. So now, really nice. along those lines, you ran into Andy Osenga. He's mm-hmm. I know him from the normals because. Yeah, me too. Fan going way back. <laughs> me but, too. Um, you know, so you start making some connections through that network. I mean, is that what kind of prompted the whole podcast and, hey, I want to talk to other musicians? And It did. Literally, Andy Osenga is what prompted that podcast because I, I met him when I, li- I grew up in Arkansas. And I met him because I worked at a venue there that brought – I basically just was booking my CD collection. I was going through being like, who would I love to contact? And so I brought Andy in, and we just immediately clicked. He invited me to come visit Nashville I came and hung out, and we went, I went to lunch with Andy, and at that lunch was Andrew Peterson and Jeremy Casella and all these guys, and I just was in awe. And now these are guys that I call my friends, which is just bizarre. But like, I started hanging out with Andy, and we would go on the road together, and we would have these great late-night conversations that I was like, man, because I'm a huge fan still, but I was a huge fan of the normals in high school, and I was like, if, you know, if you told me when I was 17... If you took this conversation and showed it to me, I would just, I would have thought that I had made it in every sense of the word. And um, not only is that a good perspective giver, like, oh, maybe I am living my success now. And I'm, we're always looking to the future. What's next? Sure. What's next? What's next? Um, which, is, which is good to push yourself. But at the same time, like to look back and be like, man, if you told even 20-year-old me that this is where I'd be, I would just be high fiving myself. Yeah. So like those conversations I had with Andy in the van or in the or the, our car or whatever, I was like, this should be, everybody should hear this. Um, not only is it insightful to who he is as a great artist and a, just a great person, but it's so encouraging to hear his story and his struggles. And you know, the, honestly, that he's just a guy who has a job that happens to be something that we can all you know, enjoy and be entertained by and pushed and encouraged by. But he just, he has such a great heart. And so many times in interviews, we just get little snippets of people. And I was like, I would, and I love podcasts in general. So I was like, what if this is what, and I wanted to do a podcast for a long time. So I was like, what if this is what my podcast is, is just sort of fly on the wall conversations with people who might be well known, some people who are really great and up and coming, just sort of, I'm, I'm obsessed with the working musician the people who are slugging it out, even though they they might not have you know a massive Twitter following or something, and so every week I try to put up a different different artist, and artists come back and we catch up, and it's it's really informal, but it's really it's fun. I, I it's my favorite thing that I do probably. So, uh, so how many how many interviews do you kind of bank ahead of time, or or oh, do you? Oh, that's mean, Okay. Yeah, I absolutely do. If you want to get inside baseball about it, I'll talk. I'll talk to you about it. Um, no, I I usually have at least three in the bank every time one one episode drops. I'll go through. I'll go since I've been recording the past couple weeks. I haven't done one, but I'll do maybe three or four episodes recording a week, and then 
so when I go on the road and stuff, I, I can still upload yeah. and, and, you know, it, and so it, it just depends. I mean, there was a time when I was doing one every other week for about three years. I was doing that um, because I was always on the road and it's just hard to nail people down. And but uh, since I've been home riding and stuff, it's been really easy to to grab people and just schedule and and that's so there's always to answer your question there's always like three or four that are in the bank and i'm always sitting on them and like oh i can't wait till people hear this one or you know yeah. well i was talking to my wife about yeah so the last one of course this was before yesterday so right um the last one he's talking to jj heller and like he's yeah. at their house and the kids are sleeping upstairs and you know she's <laughs> like he was in phoenix no 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 they moved back to to nashville yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. okay because they had the whole we, back and forth thing and we cover that but, in the yeah, podcast we'll yeah about yeah but now so do you have a like your wish list of because I don't know who all you've you've interviewed but like Fleming and John I know they're right. in Nashville or uh, you know the guys in the choir I know they're in Nashville or are there any of those like if I could ever you know corner so and so and just talk to them for a while who would still be on your wish list oh there what's amazing is I knocked out a bunch of them at the beginning which blew me away I thought it would take forever for anybody to to pay attention to or take this seriously but like I, I'm, I'm friends and always will be a fan of Jars of Clay and they not only, I was like, let me just talk to one of you guys. And they were like, you know, early on, I think I had two episodes up, three episodes and they were like, why don't you just come over and, and have lunch with us at the studio? And so I sat down for an hour while they lunch and like we talked and, um, I think Dan's going to come on again, but we, there's just a bunch of the John Foreman I got to talk to who I'm, you know, a huge fan of. I got to go backstage while they performed at a amusement park. Wow. So you can literally you can literally hear a roller coaster in the background um, while we're talking. We keep laughing at it. But uh, there's a bunch of guys like that. And there's yeah, the, it's one of those like weird superstitious things for me where I don't really want to say because I'm worried that they won't come on. But there okay. honestly a, a lot of the a lot of the guys that I would love to talk to. And by guys, I mean you know anybody creative. Are a lot. There's a lot of filmmakers uh, that I would love to have on. Because a lot of the press that gets done from movies, which I'm a huge fan, I'm a huge movie buff, are by the actors. And I'm more interested in the guy who wrote the script or the guy who, who you know, was there literally from the day they pressed play on the script or, you know, the, and to the end when they edited it. All, you know, that guy was there the whole time. I would love to talk to There's a lot of filmmakers that I'd love to talk to in that respect. So you're with me on the whole Netflix ought to have the commentary as an audio track. That would like, be like amazing. DVDs. Yeah, yeah. That, that's coming. That's that's, yeah. I, I any movie that I get, I won't buy the DVD or the Blu-ray unless there's a director's commentary on it. And because I'll wait, because they'll do that with like the next one. A lot of times yeah. they hold out, and I'm oh, there's gonna be one where you know, yeah. Because I love that kind of stuff. I want to know. This is why I'm interested in in why this podcast exists. Because I want to know why what they were thinking when they you know made this decision and decided to do this and you know so. So one of the questions you ask folks pretty regularly is for a bad concert experience. So I'm going to ask <laughs> yeah. you for a bad interview experience. Have you ever had – you don't have to name and shame, but have you ever had an interview <laughs> experience where it just like went sideways unexpectedly? Um, no. I mean it's when I – you're talking about people that I've interviewed or people yeah. that have interviewed me? Well, either way. I've definitely had some interviews where – and I felt like – that I, where I was interviewing somebody on the podcast where I felt like – this is going to be unlistenable. Like this is not going anywhere. This is because you get in your head and you're so like, 
you know, you're looking at this person, especially if you don't know them very well, where you're like, well, this isn't going great. And then 20 minutes in, something kicks in. There's been a couple of those where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm so, and I'm, I'm just, I'm digging here. I cannot get anything that makes them want to open up, you know? And so there's been a couple of those, but then they ended up being some of my favorite episodes because they, because it took a little bit of work, you know, it's, it's, it's fine to have your friends on and just have a jovial conversation. But if you really have to find out what makes somebody tick and be like, what are they interested in that I can maybe get them to open up about? Um, I had, a, for me as an artist, I had an interview that I did a couple years ago where I kept getting asked to, about being a feminist. And I've never been an outspoken, fe- like I'm not a, it was at such an interesting angle, but every question had to do with what, what's my most feminist album, song, all this stuff. And I was just like, I had never thought about this before. So who was and doing I, the interview? I mean, was it, it like... It, it was a feminist blog, okay. and I didn't... But I did, obviously, but I didn't realize that. I I just got a an interview request for this blog that didn't have anything to do with feminism in the thing. But honestly, it ended up being great because I really got to think about the fact that, oh, yeah, I am... I like women. I think... I'm a feminist, like, let, this is great, you know, and, and, but also just handle, you know, I'm not, not a feminist. I boss, I just happen to like people and I don't write from a male's point of view as much as I just write from people's point of view. But it was definitely like, I had to be like, what's ha-? in the middle of it. And thankfully it was written, but I kept going through. I was just like, what is, what is this? What is, you know, but that was definitely the mo- most precarious one. Usually they're more straightforward and, and talk about things that I actually, I've never really been blindsided but like that before <laughs> this is by the way this is the this is the best one i've, I've ever done by the way i don't know if, oh well thanks not to butter your bread but uh these are okay so questions. here's a question you didn't ask me but i'm just going to answer when i hear the name keith uh i think of the fact that um every single person i've known named keith is a mm-hmm. really great guy like all the so there are some names where uh, we have two daughters, and uh, uh-huh. we've talked about names for for boys and girls before we had kids. And um, you know, there are names where our rules were their initials couldn't spell something that they would be mocked for. That's smart. Um, and then, whatever name we chose, every person that we had ever known with that name, it had to be somebody we liked. Like you can't name your kid, you know, that's Tyrell if if there's that Tyrell, and you always have bad feelings about that. That that's person, because you know that's your kid. So um, every Keith we've known, we've really liked. So we don't have a. I love the boy name named Keith. Keith, but yeah, I'm obsessed with the name Keith. As if you've listened to any episode of my podcast in the last year. Well, you've talked about I, like old names. So so our yeah. our daughters are Ellen and Jane. So we're we're that same kind of school of the old classic names. Yeah, I love that, and that's yeah. making a comeback. I feel like there's a lot of sort of names that were around in the Victorian era, era or whatever that, that are making a comeback, which I really like. But uh, I, I'm obsessed with any, like, time-stamped name. Like, I love, the, you know, like, their, Keith was really big when I was a kid because I think it was, like, a 70s kind of name that kind of came through the 80s and stuff. But uh, it's just fascinating how how something like a sound that we call people names can be in fashion and out of fashion. It's just interesting to me. Yep. Okay, so you've got seven days left for the campaign. to go, roughly a little less. A thousand a day. Let's do it. How often are you hitting the refresh button? Like, Um, I mean, you're in the studio, so yeah, I'm. I'm, I just finished up. I have a little bit more to do next, starting next week, to finish up this recording. Which, and now I'm sort of 
since it is a slow and steady campaign this time, instead of, like, last time I think half of it was funded in the first 24 hours, which I think I got, I was like, this is going to be the same. Um, and it's not. Every campaign is different. It depends on what time, type of year you're doing it. There's so many factors that go into it that I just, it's just hard to even grasp what people are thinking. And, you know, I have people who have emailed me and said, I am going to back this, but it'll be towards the end which is nice, but also stress-inducing, because I'm like, yeah. well, uh, yeah. So, but it, I've, it's been, it's always a great lesson in learning what you, in to c- control what you can control and don't worry about what you can't. So, you know, there was a few days for sure where I, you know, and maybe a little bit, an hour or so every day that I'm just like, oh, this isn't going to happen. This is a nightmare. What, how embarrassing will this be? And it's not like Hannah Miller. I just had on my podcast. Yeah. She she had two successful ones and then one that didn't go. And so she figured it out. It, it it forces artists to be a little bit more, you know, think outside of the box. So I'm not refreshing it right now. Once we get to like the 24 hour period, I will just I will black out the curtains and just sit there and yeah. Or either that or I'll put on a telethon that live streams <laughs> and I'll just go. have people. I'll, I'm, I'm thinking about doing that honestly, and just having like a, a rotating group of friends come in and play music and be like, "Let's get it up to ten thousand or whatever it is." There so, yeah. So we'll see. I, I mean, I really believe in these these songs, and it's hard when they. It's I, you know I was hoping sort of to get started on it so I could sh- enter people into it and show yeah. people that I was like, "Listen to what we're doing." Listen, listen. But it's so hard, and every day in the studio we've been like, I wish we could just show everybody one by one, bring everybody into the studio and, and sit down and be like, listen to this song, and now this one. But it, you, you can't do that. You just have to hope that your previous albums have done the done the trick and people want to see you do more. Well, now you've got your cover EPs on your website mm-hmm. as a free download as well. You did a cover of the song from Greece as well, right? Yeah, you're the one that I want. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that was really fun, too. It was, like, so stripped down. And it reminds me a lot of the guy from the Frozen Ocean that's done. Oh, I'm, um, I'm not familiar. I think his name's Dave Swanson. But he, he does stuff as the Frozen Ocean. You'll find him on uh, on Bandcamp, and he had a Kickstarter. But he did a remake of uh, Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire and a oh, remake awesome. yeah. of uh, Credence, Have You Ever Seen the Rain? They were just really oh, yeah. slow and really laid back. And it was, like, just haunting um kind of like yeah do you know do you know the water deep stuff yeah of course so they they did um uh, coming in the air tonight or whatever the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. phil collins song yeah. yeah so i didn't really like listen to that or like that when it was new when it was on you know miami vice or whatever <laughs> you know yeah, I mean, it was yeah. just like yeah whatever i heard don do that song and it was like slow and i'm listening to the words and i'm going Oh wow, this is like a really deep song. I mean, yeah. like the depth of that song, it just it took the the, the speed shift for me to mm-hmm. actually hear what it was that I missed before because it was just like this pop thing. Um, I used to do that all the time with my dad's records. I used to we've all done it. You know, you slow it down the speed and and it turns into this somber. These really we used to love taking like the most pop song we could think of. And so I think part of that has kind of come through because I was thinking how annoying and shrill that Grease song is to me. I actually don't like that song, the original recording. And so it was sort of a challenge to take a song that irked me and turn it into something that was maybe interesting. And that was a, so when it, I feel like it, it worked out. Like we were, Stacy and I who sang on it, were just like, oh, this is like something 
completely different. And I, lo- I love when you can do that. And that's just shows that cover songs are a great example of, you know, how you can take music and just shift it around a little bit, even just messing with the, the, you know, the RPM or whatever. And then it's, or the BPM and then, and, and it turns into this whole other moody thing, Yep. you know, it's fascinating. Cool. Well, I will definitely encourage folks to check out your music and to uh, to act fast on this campaign. I'm a yeah, backer please. and I want to hear it. I want it to I want yeah, it to complete and hear all three. So, um, yeah, I I hope people do, and uh, you know, I, I'm going to keep on keeping on no matter what. But this is definitely something that I think, you know, I think in the, I'm working my tail off to make sure that it's a project that people will want to listen to for a long time and be proud that they said that they were a part of. Well, you know, you'd mentioned in an email also that you're, you're looking to, or maybe it was a Facebook post. You're doing a a tour coming up. Uh, if folks are interested in booking you for a house tour or something like that, how, Mm -hmm. how, what, what are you looking for? How can they help? Um, I, I go all over. So if there's any, if you hear my music and you think that this would be fun to listen to in my, in my living room live with a guy on acoustic guitar to invite my friends to, um, they can go to, to my Facebook or, which is Nick Flora music and, uh, or nickflora.com and, uh, and, and kind of see, I, like I said, I, I kind of take chunks of, of the U S and divide them up throughout the year and, and tour a lot. I play everywhere. So if they want to, if they want to hang out with me for an hour and a half with their friends, I, I contact me. I would love to do it. I love performing live is my favorite part. And, uh, I hope, I think it shows, so that's the best way. All right. Well, cool. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Garrett. Talk to you later, Nick. Bye. Bye.